Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Chronically Mom podcast. I am your host, Michelle Pickens. I am a mom of two navigating life and motherhood with Crohn's disease. I'm a patient advocate for both IBD and mental health. Through this podcast and through my blog, chronicallyblonde.com, my main goals are to educate, empower, and connect within this community. We also have some laughs along the way because that's just how I do things. Have to keep it light sometimes. Today's episode, I am very excited about. Our guest today is Nir Salomon. He's the founder and director of the Integrative Gastroenterology Unit at Sheba Medical Center and the co-founder and director of R&D at Evan Nature. So a few weeks ago, Nir and I met to chat about his work within integrative health, specifically within gastroenterology, and about a really unique compound um, that he's seen a lot of success with in clinical settings. So during our conversation, he just blew me away with the research that he provided and just with his body of work, what he's done throughout his career so far. I knew for me as an IBD patient, this was extremely interesting and so valuable. So I knew that you all would love to hear from him as well. So just to start, I do want to make a disclaimer. I'm not recommending or trying to sell you any specific treatment. I am not a medical professional. Just like when I talk about any other treatment, uh, my goal is to highlight what's available and provide a platform for education so that members of our IBD community can feel empowered and informed enough to really make their own treatment decisions um, in collaboration with their doctor. So Nir has the same goal, which you will hear throughout the conversation. Um, So like I said, hopefully this is helpful and hopefully you enjoy our chat as much as I did. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. I know you are extremely busy, um, but I know that you're passionate about bringing awareness to all the work that you're doing and hopefully getting this message out to more and more people that can benefit. So to kick things off, why don't you start by telling us a little about Evan Nature, about you, how you got involved, give, give us the whole rundown. I'll give gladly. So first of all, really thanks for, you know, getting in touch and, you know, being able to do this. This is definitely you as a patient and the rest of the patient community. It's really, as you said, important for us to get this message out as clearly and transparently as possible to really give everybody the option to get the best treatment that they want. So I came from a background actually of traditional mind Chinese medicine. I'll go a bit back, but I'll run it real, real quick. Uh, and after I finished my studies in Israel, I went over to specialize in gastroenterology in China and I had the privilege of being a student of Dr. Lian Chao, which was the head of the gastro department at Chengdu University. And I learned from him a lot about herbal medicine, treatment of gastrointestinal disease. And I specifically say it like that and not IBD because they were very traditional in that sense. They weren't really diagnosing patients with IBD, even though they probably did have those specific diseases if they were diagnosed uh, in the West, uh, but it was still on the rise there and they didn't really know a lot about it. And I learned, so, so I learned a lot about how to use these Chinese herbs, uh, herbal medicine to treat these diseases, but I saw a lot of uh, lack of integration of what we know in terms of diagnostics and treatments as we do in the West. And I thought there was a lot of things missing here. They were treating really traditionally and there was, wasn't enough innovation. There was what wasn't the medicine there wasn't moving forward in that sense. So I understood that there, in order for it to be available, as I think would be 
a tailored precise precision medicine for IBD in the West, it had to be integrated in a different way. So I, after I came back to Israel, I founded the Integrate Approach Sheba Medical Center, which is the largest hospital in Israel. It's one of the top uh, hospitals in the world in terms of research and uh, in, especially in IBD. And I formed, I founded the, with the help of Professor Ben Pauline, which is the head of the department, we founded the Integrative Medicine Unit. And the purpose of that was to really sort of find a way to integrate this not huge knowledge that we have from traditional medicines in the Far East, and then, but have them go through the conventional route of scientific validation. That was the idea. So first coming in, I was uh, coming in blasting <laughs> with it. Okay, yeah, I'm going to get these herbal formulas and get and treat patients and everybody's going to get better and is going to be fine and dandy. And it was so uh, uh, such a revelation, a revelation to crash and burn in that sense yeah. and really understand it. No, this has to be built very, uh, the foundations have to be really solid and we have to build it in an evidence-based manner. Nobody's going to be really uh, impressed by stories of how it works you have to back it up with real evidence. So that's when we started doing that. And what we want to do is before you go into a really ra uh, randomized control trial, which is like the gold standard of mm -hmm. how to prove something clinically that it works and it's safe, you, it's, it's a really hard process to do. You want to get basic data that, okay, this is a good way to go. So we had to cherry pick specific compounds that we knew traditionally and clinically that were we seem to work and then get more clinical experience and then take him into the scientific uh, setting of the clinical trial itself. So we had to do this and this was a long process of how we did it. So we started off around 2008 with the establishment of the integrative medical unit, started doing the research and then it took us about four years to recruit patients for our first trial wow. until it was, yeah, it was a long way off the road for a lot of different reasons, some of them also being financial, obviously, because these things take a lot of funding and being, being, we weren't funded by any uh, pharmaceutical company or anything like mm -hmm. that. So we had to raise money in terms of grant and don actually donations from patients who improved and wanted to participate in that. So this was very much also by the patient for the patient kind of operation. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then our first public publication was in 2015, where we studied a form of gut-directed curcumine, which is the active compound from, found from turmeric. Just as a side note, curcumin is not turmeric. Curcumin is actually an active compound found inside turmeric, but okay. it's, it's not the, the whole plant. It's the only the active compound. We isolated in that. And then we developed it in a, in a gut-directed form and used it for mild, moderate UC patients who were failing pharmaceutical treatment, got really impressive results. And that was published in one of the leading world-leading uh, journals. And that really gave us that proof of concept that this can be done. You can take a natural compound from natural medicine, but if you do the scientific route and do the gold standard clinical trials, you're going to have the publication, the impact that you really want. That, I feel like you had sort of like the trifecta after that, because you had the, the scientific information, scientific research to back it up. You had the publication giving you that extra credibility. And then you also had these people who are patients who had been using the compound and having great results. And I think that's a huge stamp of approval. People 
helping fund the research because they believe in it so much Absolutely. and they believe in it for themselves. So that's that's really cool how how you came to be, you know, and how how it became successful. Um, so do you want to share a little bit about more about the specific compound and about the yeah, um, yeah let, let's talk well, about that. Yeah. So when, when, again, when we first started out around then there were 2010, 12 with this concept of being the curcumin. And so we got scorned upon and looked upon in, in a lot of different ways by our colleagues. A lot of jokes coming in. Uh, let's just take out some herb from the from the market and to give it to patients, see how it does. And no, we had, so we started building that. And after, again, we saw these uh, good results and saw the public, they got the publication out. A lot of doctors started coming on board with us and saying, okay, we have a specific compound that is regulated as a food supplement. And it's very popular. And you, you can go into any CVS or, or Walgreens, whatever, and you'll just see anywhere between five to 10 different brands of turmeric or curcumin mm-hmm. on the shelf. Now, Apparently about 40 or 50% of those will probably be junk because the food supplement market is unregulated, which is a huge problem when you're trying to use that for really medical purposes. Yeah. It's unregulated, so you can't really know what's inside. But you know, half of those products will be good quality products that can help a lot of patients. But the problem is that they're not being given for the right indications and people don't really know how to give them. And that's something well, I think it's important to to talk on in a, in, in a short while about mm-hmm. how medical claims, you can, can't give medical claims on food supplements, but this is a very specific, we developed a very specific gut-directed form of curcumin. And what that means is that specifically designed to treat IBD because that's the field that we were researching. Uh, that's the patients we want to treat. So it's not one of those off-the-shelf kind of, uh, of uh, formulations. It's not going to be effective for arthritis or for liver uh, disease or for anything like that, but for anything that involves inflammation in the gastrointestinal system, that's where it reaches high concentration. That's where it's going to be affected. And then we use it as a specific dose that was suitable for a specific kind of disease. So we got really clinical and really medical about it, which is how we believe that it should be given. So it's not just the compound, but it's how you use it. Curcumin is very popular but it's not the same curcumin. It's not the same curcumin you have to take in a specific matter, really getting that medical protocol into it. And that was for mild, moderate use. And when we wanted to sort of expand, get uh, that into more refractory cases and address patients with moderate, severe disease, we understood that we need to investigate some, something else. And then it's a funny story um, that uh, on one of my travels to Hong Kong, I was giving a lecture at one of the universities there and about how to treat IBD patients with Chinese herbs. And then on the way to the cab, literally one of the doctors was, you know, accompanying me to the, to on the way. And he said, you know, I have this herb that I think might be useful uh, for what you're doing. And I said, okay, what one? He said, yeah, it's Qingdai. And I said, okay, yeah, I know the herb. I was literally standing with the door of the cab open. And I said, okay, you know, I went into the cab, closed the door, went on to the airport, flew back to Israel, but kept it in my mind and said, okay, like get back and I'll try to use it. And it was nowhere to be found because it's such an unpopular herb to use. It's hardly ever used even by traditional Chinese medicine uh, practitioners. So it was, I wasn't able to get it. It took me a while to get it. And then I started using it in the, in the clinic and I started seeing really remarkable results, even with pretty severe patients. 
And you know, the first one you pass on is like, okay, that was, I just got lucky. Second right, it one, could be a fluke. <laughs> yeah, it was a fluke. It was yeah. a placebo effect. It was this or that. You give us, and then on the fourth patient, you start scratching. You said, wait, what's going on here? And the yeah. fifth patient, I call Shamwan, I call and said, listen, I need a, another pair of eyes here just as a sanity check to so see like what I'm seeing. Right. And then we started building up that, that data together in our experience and saw really remarkable results. And it took us about, two or three more years to sort of perfect the protocol that we're giving. And what this ad, this compound actually is, is a form of what we call, what's called in Chinese medicine, Qingdai, and it's also known, known as indigo, but this one is a specifically sourced form that we use and we modulate it in order for it, again, to be active specifically for IBD patients. And then we started putting that together with the gut-directed curcumin and what we call the curcumin protocol. Okay. That, that's what we're coming out with now. That's awesome. So can you explain, say you're someone who's interested in, in starting the protocol or um, trying it out. If you're a patient that has, let's say, moderate Crohn's disease and like, what, what would you do? How, did, how would you get started? Well, it's, it's, we, we're been using this again through the curcuity protocol around 2017 till today in Israel has become okay. part of standard care. And we already have a few studies coming out that were presented at, at CCFA, some of them winning that ribbon of excellence. So I, I can't remember what his name, but it's a good we call it. <laughs> we got a lot of impact out of that. But when we wanted to take the operation outside of Israel, we, that's when our hospital formed the company Evi Nature which is responsible for disseminating this protocol for patients outside of Israel. Gosh. So what we have is we have actually five different protocols, which are appropriate for different stages and different severities of disease. Okay. How do we know what's appropriate for each patient? Well, we designed the uh, specific, what we call a PRO platform, which is patient reported outcome platform where patients can go onto the website. It's really easy. It's just evinature.com. That's E-V-I nature in one word.com. They can go on the website. They can fill out the assessment, which is absolutely free. Or, and that asks them a lot about their disease activity and everything, a lot of different questions. And then at the end of that, they'll be recommending the specific curcuity protocol, which is appropriate for their condition. And then that, the protocols are six weeks uh, long. So okay. they do that. And at the end of that six weeks, they, they, re, they go on again to the, to the assessment. It's a different kind of assessment. It's a follow-up, a shorter one. We see how they're doing, how they're responding, and we recommend the next protocol. So we're always tailoring that treatment and adjusting it as the treatment progresses. Okay. Now, I know that you and I talked about this before, but can this be used in conjunction with like a biologic that you're on or with your regular medication that your gastro is prescribing? Um, tell me a little bit about that. Okay. That's an excellent question. It's really important, first of all, that any changes in medications are always done by our treating physician. They know your case best. They're the ones following you up. They're the ones responsible for that. So any treatment, and this is by, by uh, also applies for anything that's not even our products. You're taking another food supplement, anything, tell your doctor about it. Don't do any changes in the medication without, his, without consulting him. That's yeah. the first thing to do. Having said that, what we do is we use this as an add-on therapy because as we know, medication, pharmaceutical treatments in the IBD now are far from perfect. There was a study coming out of Lancet about a year ago showing that we're actually 
not really being able to breach that 25, 30% net efficacy for patients, which pretty much means that 70% of IVD patients are not really reaching remission. They're either not responding or partially responding to the treatment that's given. So this is a huge unmet need that needs to be addressed. Yeah. How? By this is their, this is our strategy. We add on this treatment to the pharmaceutical treatment that they're already been given. And we do this for patients taking mesalamine, but we do it also for patients that are receiving biologics or small molecule treatments. By the way, this is also part of the assessment. We ask about concomitant medications that okay. the patients are taking to address that as well as part of the recommendation that we give. So we use it as an add-on treatment. What sometimes happens is that when they respond to treatment, through communication with their doctor, the doctor is able to reduce dosages or even stop a medication that they might be failing. Again, only in only following their advice, but this happens to a lot of our patients at the end. But And first, we always advocate to use this as an add-on treatment to the pharmaceutical one. That's phenomenal. The, the fact that even when we were talking before about how people can actually <clears throat> reduce or even go off of the pharmaceutical medications that they're on, um, that that's incredible. And the, um, when we were t- walking through the side effects, the potential side effects, the they're so minuscule compared to all of the side effects that you get from these pharmaceutical treatments where it's like okay. you're on a biologic and then you're, you end up taking five other medicines to stop the symptoms that you're getting from this yeah. medication. Yeah it's, so crazy. It's, yeah. it's just really cool to, to know that there's another option out there that you're not just kind of pigeonholed into this one, one specific, um, treatment. And there's something that is more, um, I, I guess better feels better for you. Um, yeah, but it's, it's a good point that you're adding, but I want, I want to emphasize that we don't look as a, a, a natural treatment as okay. equal to safe. We okay. don't look at it that way, even though it's natural, we, you know, there's a sort of a saying in Israel, you know, that even a, a, a viper snake, a, a viper snake is he's natural, right? Yeah. But you know, that's not the same. It's still dangerous. So natural compounds, if they're not used correctly, if they're not sourced correctly, if they're taken in, they're in the wrong dose, those, those can be harmful, especially for yeah. patients who are after disease. So that's why in during all of our follow-ups and even our clinical trials, we have a whole uh, panel of safety examinations and valuations that we do to check these. We regard this as a medical treatment that needs to be not only effective, but to prove itself as safe. So if we, if we do that as well to ensure the safety of our patients taking the, taking the treatment. So that's really important to do that. But, but the mechanism of action that this treatment works is non-immune suppressant, which a lot of the pharmaceuticals are. And many of the side effects from pharmaceuticals are caused because of that immune suppression that the, that they do and this treatment for the curcuit products do not so that's a that's a huge advantage for sure i like how you reiterated the natural doesn't mean safe because i think that's a, a huge Absolutely. Uh, a huge piece that i want to touch on i know that um we had chatted about this before where there's so many companies um that have you know supplements or things like that that are, are claiming to cure some disease i have so many people reach out about like this will cure your ibd um but there's no science to back it and there's no 
uh, there's no support as you're going through the process of figuring out dosing and continue dosing. It's like, here's a product, figure it out yourself. Like hope it works. Yeah. We're never going to follow up. And I love the approach that you guys have where it is such a, it seems like such a collaborative process and it's not just like a here, take this, mm-hmm. like see what happens. Um, you're really, it's, it's almost like you're, you're seeing your gastro and you're getting this, this care, um, like you would when you're starting like a biologic or steroid or, you know, something like that. Absolutely. That's, that's where we come from. We're we're clinicians and and, Mm -hmm. and researchers. That's, that's what we've been doing for the past 20 or so years. We're treating IBD patients in the clinic and we wouldn't trade that for, for anything. It's not about pushing something forward. It's about following up on a patient, make sure he gets the right treatment. That's also the reason why we're doing this collaboration with the medical centers. And that's my mission in the, in right here for the next year is that we're basing collaborations with leading medical centers around the U.S. and presenting the evidence as you do for in any medical conference and getting them to understand it and getting them on board. Listen, this is another treatment option. Look, you have different kinds of tools. This is another one that's on the table now. And you can use it with a patient do, doing the same strict follow-up that you would do with any kind of treatment that you would give them. So it's not only trying to, yeah, we have an online assessment, go take it, get the, get the protocol. No, we want to get all the medical. We want to get this into standard care with everyone. So the goal would be to have this be standard practice here, something that's offered in these medical centers, similar to, to what you guys had in Israel before getting the here. Absolutely. That's the, 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 at the end of the road, the road, that's how I see it as this being a uh, significant treatment option for IVD patients that is accessible, affordable, given by the medical, endorsed by the medical community mm-hmm. and given as part of any IVD treatment that give, hopefully in, 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 in sort of the protocol that would be able to avoid some pharmaceutical treatments that could have hazardous side effects. So that's the idea to give, at the end of the day, to give an effective and safer treatment option for patients. I love it. And I think the affordability piece of it, that's really huge too. Um, because a a lot of the times with pharmaceuticals, um, especially some of these pricier drugs, they're just totally unaffordable for a lot of people. So I think, um, you guys are making it accessible from, from a financial perspective too, which is, is really important breaking down those, those barriers. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of that going because health equity is a big thing. And, you know, we have what we call not we, there's a term in medicine, we call the invisible patient. That's a patient who sort of falls between the cracks. I'll give you an example. Doctors now, there's a, uh, an article coming out from by David Choi, which is a, uh, uh, he's a chief IBD pharmacist at University of Chicago, a brilliant guy. And he did a survey and was able to see that doctors on average put about two working days per week working on prior authorizations of advanced treatments for patients. That's two working days a week. Okay, if that's what he do, the doctors do, mm-hmm. how are they going to have enough time to see patients or do research? Okay, that's now, insane. We t- that's insane. Okay, and they're frustrated about it. And the yeah. doctors, yeah, the doctors are frustrated. I mean, we, we, there are patients waiting in line to see us. There's a lot of research that needs to be done, and we're putting so much time and effort and uh, and energy into doing these this paperwork just to get 
the payers to give that those pharmaceutical treatments. And this is something, this is a treatment that with the CURQD protocol that doesn't require pre-authorization. So that can be done in parallel or even before getting that advanced treatment in sort of to facilitate and get the treatment faster to the patient. If they respond, great, maybe we spare them the whole process. So there's a lot of that go going on and definitely the system has its, has its limitations and we wanna work around, around that and find a better way to you know, get the burden off the doctors themselves because yeah. they wanna treat patients as well, but they're just overburdened by the, how the system works. That that's such an amazing point. I didn't even think about the pre-authorization piece of it because I, I know for me, when I was switching to go on a biologic and my, you know, diseases was really starting to flare. It was like, okay, sorry, we have, you know, a couple months that we just have to wait and see what happens. And it's like, that's a perfect opportunity to introduce something like this and, and see how your body reacts to it, see what it can do. And maybe not even have to go down the road of a, of a biologic. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's great. And I think that the ease that, that you can get it, access it, pay for it. it that's, it makes it even more of an impactful treatment for people to you know, know about. Yeah. There's as, as, as everything in life, I think there's, there's an advantage and a barrier to every, to every point. And I'll explain how it is. The fact that it's regulated, the, these natural compounds that we're using in the CURQD protocol the fact that they're regulated as food supplements gives us an advantage of not being able, not being, it's not being necessary to go through a pre-authorization. Right. The other point, the barrier there is that under FDA regulations, and we fully comply with these, mm -hmm. you're not able to give medical claims on food supplements. That means that any food supplement, regardless of what evidence or what clinical trial you did, or how much science you have to back up what you're saying you cannot give a medical claim on a food supplement. That means it cannot be said in any way to diagnose, treat, or cure a disease. Right. Okay. So that, but that means that even the evidence that we do have, and we can't say anything about it because it's connecting it with treatment of a, of a disease. So that's, so actually we can't, the whole thing, story that I'm telling here is we're not able to say it on the products themselves because it's sort of a, uh, uh, this breach of the FDA regulations, which we have to comply to, and we always do. So yeah. message across has to be, to be done through the medical establishment, through the doctors, through uh, patient advocacy groups, and so on to just to get the message out. So this is a huge barrier we're trying to work through. Um, and yeah, we'll get there step by step. Yeah. I mean, it already seems like you've made some great strides and the fact that you have, you know, partnerships that are in the works here and you're working with patient advocates and, and, you know, having conversations like this that will help get the word out. Um, it, it, it sounds like you guys are on a roll. Um, and I, I've done some of my own research too, because I always like to just see, you know, like what other people in the IBD community are saying. And I always, I feel like Reddit is like, it's not like a, a end all be all, but there are people that have had some amazing experiences, like the IBD community with the protocol. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Like I, I looked up after our, our first conversation. So it was, it was really neat to see, um, just other people like organically have this, have this really positive experience. Um, so I think, you know, the more stories that you can get out there like that, and the more people that are, you know, seeing the benefits, um, then, you know, it'll continue. Yeah. To it's a great, it's, it, a 
lot we we see it and we appreciate the patients who take this uh this treatment because they're actually doing a, a big and brave step for for themselves because taking an un sort of an unconventional route to treat their disease is something that you know it's always sort of safer so to speak to listen to the doctor in that sense but but taking sort of an unconventional approach is sometimes you know it, it's it's scary but yeah. when they do do that and they see the results they're they see it really as their own private victory and that's great and then they want to share it and we're appreciative about the, the, how they took the uh the decision to do so yeah. and then sharing it with the rest of their ibd community which is which is great that's part of the real world evidence that we want to get out right and that that is interesting what you said how it is more like taking the the different path it's a little bit riskier um, but I think as hopefully you'll be more integrated with, you know, the practitioners and clinicians here, then as they're recommending it too, it'll be, be not as much of a, you know, different path. It'll be the regular path that, that more and more people are going down. So it'll be part of the standard practice of the care practice of care for IBD. That's the whole thing. We have to give yeah. it and see how it works as any medical treatment, it will not work for everyone. There's right. no medical cure for IBD. That's not what we're saying in any way, but we do have evidence to show that it is very promising option and it has to be taken and followed up. And if you respond to it, that's great. And if you don't, yeah, that that's okay too. We have to look at reality as, as it is and see how to work with that. So it's not a miracle cure, but it is definitely promising medical treatment. I love that. I love that. IBD patients are very knowledgeable about their disease. They're very informative. Look at look at the data. Look at what you're taking. Share with your doctor what you're doing, especially if you're interested in starting this uh, this treatment. Ask your doctor about it. Approach us. We are more than happy to get in contact with the treating physicians and, and explain the data and show them how this we've been doing that with quite a few around the U.S. and hopefully with more to come, just be knowledgeable and uh, about what you're taking and uh, be healthy. That, okay. Wait, I want to, I want to back up really quick to how you said that you can get in touch with physicians. So that talk to me about that a little bit. Okay. Uh, what will, I'll give you an example. We had a patient from, uh, from California. Uh, he was a, he, he's a 15 year old with really refractory uh, UC, uh, UC. And he was treated with a different biologics and everything. And he started the, the treatment and he, he responded well. And his mother actually tweeted this and got, and then her, the doctor, her doctor was treated from, uh, from LA Children's Hospital, actually went on uh, Twitter and got in contact with us because of the results. And now we're doing a case report and we're continuing more research because there's nothing like firsthand experience of a doctor seeing the results and say, well, this is something really interesting going on patient who didn't respond to multiple biologics and then achieve remission with this treatment, let's move them, move into a more research arena. So that's one example. And another one was a patient that approached us and said, listen, I, I want to start the treatment. My condition is so-and-so. We went through the assessment and, you know, there was, a, and I'm not sure how to do it. And I said, and we went consult him and say, listen, who's your treating physician? And it was, again, one of the leading uh, uh, doctors from one of the major centers in, in California and we said, is it okay if we get in contact and discuss your case with your doctor? And he said, yeah, of course. So he gave us that permission. We approached a doctor, got in contact with him. The doctor was really interested in the data. And now that doctor is actually referring more patients. So we got this communication. So we're not going to be able to 
address to get in contact with every one of our patient doctors. We just don't have the manpower or time to do that. But we are, that's part of the process. That's how we act. We want to get everyone on board, everyone know about the evidence, see who's appropriate and see. We also had one communication with the doctor. And after discussing the case, we decided together with the doctor that it's not appropriate to start the protocol at this point. So that was also in the best interest of the patient like, listen, this is not the time. Let's start something else and then see and see how down the road how it goes. But that's the right way to do it. It's incredible how you actually care to, to work with different providers and how they're reaching out to you because they're seeing how amazing these results are. Um, I feel like you never, you never hear really like stories about that. Like it it really is unique. It's really, it's really finding that niche that we want between the, the sort of natural food supplement Mm -hmm. world to the pharmaceutical scientific world. And we're trying to bridge that gap between them and get evidence-based food supplements or evidence-based nutraceuticals that can help patients. I think that is a mission that we can all get behind. Any last words before we sign off for today? I know you're busy. First of all, to say again, thanks. I really appreciate uh, the time and the platform that you're giving for patients uh, in general and for us specifically and getting and helping get the message out. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast today, sharing all this information all of the work that you do it really means a lot and i am so excited to get this information out all right everyone that was our conversation with near from sheba medical center and evan nature it was amazing chatting with him and i hope you guys found it as valuable as i did i am going to link the evan nature website in the show notes And if you have any questions or need help being directed to a resource, always feel free to reach out and I can help you as best I can. Well, thank you guys so much. I appreciate the support and I appreciate you listening always. And I will chat with you all soon. Have a great week.